Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Deacon Isaac Longworth, and I'm very excited for today because today is a special episode because I'm covering not one saint, but two saints in one go today. And those saints are St. Louis and Zelie Martin. Now, Louis and Zelie were married to each other. They were husband and wife, and they're famous not just because they themselves became saints, but because their daughter became one of the most well-known saints in the church right now. Her name is Saint Therese of Lisieux. You've probably heard about her. Uh, I've done an episode on her already in this series, but today I want to talk about her parents, Louis and Zelie. And I want to start with Zelie because Zelie was born in northwestern France in the year 1831 to a very faithful Catholic family. So she was the middle child. She had an older sister, younger brother. Any middle children listening can probably relate to what it's like to be the middle child. And uh, her father was a retired soldier who had taken up cabinet making in order to provide for his family once France had entered into a time of peace. Now, Zelie's mother also worked. She ran a small cafe to make some extra money on the side. But business wasn't going so well for Zelie's mom because she tried to evangelize her customers, which is a good thing. But the problem was is that she didn't really have a good way of doing it. She wasn't very gentle. Often she came off as just kind of preaching at people. And they didn't really find her cafe a very hospitable or welcoming place. And so they didn't tend to come back. So she wasn't making too much money. And uh, Zelie's mom had a harshness to her sometimes because Zelie didn't get along with her mother either. It wasn't just the customers. Uh, they were always fighting with each other, mother and daughter. And Zelie often accused her mom of playing favorites with the children. That Zelie's mom would show favoritism, especially to Zelie's brother. And Zelie kind of felt left out as a result. Nevertheless, Zelie did learn about her Catholic faith from her mom. She had a very deep faith. She had a love for God in her own way, and she taught her children how to pray. Now, when Zelie was 13 years old, her family moved to a city called Alençon, which was famous for making a very detailed form of lace, which might seem like a random detail, but I promise it makes sense later on in the story. But as she got older, Zelie began to discern, you know, is God calling me to become a nun? She had kind of gotten that idea from her older sister who had gone on to become a nun. And so Zelie began to pray about it. She began to learn more about the nuns and she even went to talk or do an interview with the mother superior of a convent. However, in the context of their conversation, Zelie discerned, this isn't God's plan for me. She felt more called to marriage. And so with no more plans to become a nun, Zelie focused on doing what was very common in that area, learning how to make the lace that that city was so famous for. So Zelie gradually started building her own lace-making business from scratch. She began running it out of her parents' house. But as she worked on the lace, she was praying. She was talking with God as she was working hard making this very detailed, exquisite art. She was asking God for a very special thing, a husband. Because she knew she wasn't going to be a nun and she felt this call to marriage, to start a family, to have children. But the problem was is that she hadn't met the right guy. You can't be married by yourself. You need to find a husband, right? And so she was wondering, God, I feel this call to marriage, but I don't know the right man yet. I, he hasn't come into my life. But she trusted that God would hear her prayer. 
that in God's timing, he would send her the right one, the right man. And so she had trust in God. She had patience for when it would take place. Well, one day, Zelie was out for a walk. She was walking across a bridge and she saw a man walking towards her on the bridge. And at that moment, when she saw him, she heard God say to her in her heart, this is the man whom I have prepared for you, which was awesome. God was like this matchmaker. But who was this guy that God seemed to pick out for her? Well, he was a watchmaker named Louis Martin. And so I want to tell you Louis' story and how he ended up being on that bridge that fateful day to meet Zelie. Louis' father had been a captain in the French army, and he had been born in France while his dad was away on a military campaign. And when his father returned from the war, he moved the whole family to the German city of Strasbourg, where Louis grew up until about the age of seven. Now, as a boy, he was fascinated by this huge clock that was in the town's cathedral. It was a very famous clock. It not only kept time, but it kept the date. It kept track of the movements of the sun and the moon. It was beautifully and artistically drawn. There would be different art figures that came out at different times and and waved to the crowd and stuff like that. And so it was this very famous clock and Louis loved to look at it. He was amazed by its preciseness, by the, the mechanics of it, by the inventiveness and the creativeness of it. And he was just mesmerized. And so when he was eight years old, the family moved away from Strasbourg back to France, where they settled in Alençon, the same place where Zelie's family was living. But the boy could never forget the fascination that he had with that beautiful clock he had seen in Germany. And so when he was 20, he returned to Germany to study watchmaking. This passion had been ignited in him, and he wanted to learn how to make clocks exactly like the one he had seen in that cathedral. But while he was apprenticing as a watchmaker, he had an experience where his faith life began to grow deeper. He had always been Catholic, always been raised in the faith, but he decided to go on a pilgrimage to a monastery in order to be more intentional about spending time with God. So he went to this monastery, this beautiful monastery in the Alps, to live with the monks and the priests there and learn how to be more focused on God. It was a very moving experience for him. While he was at the monastery, he was surrounded by the beauty of creation up in the Alps. And seeing this beautiful creation all around him moved his heart towards the God that had created everything. He felt close to God. He could hear him in the silence. He could experience him in the prayer with the monks. And when he left the monastery, he took with him one white flower that he had picked there. And he kept that flower for his whole life to remind him of that experience, that experience where he had gone really deep with God. And because of this powerful retreat, he wondered if God was maybe calling him to be a priest in that monastery. But when he applied, they told him that he first needed to know Latin because at that time, uh, most of the prayers that were said in monasteries were in Latin. And so he was pretty disappointed. He didn't know Latin, but he decided, you know what? If they want me to learn Latin, I'm going to learn. And so he went out and bought all these Latin textbooks and he started practicing in his room. But there was one problem. Louis was terrible at Latin. He just couldn't figure it out. And finally, he gave up. He sold his textbooks and he decided, well, if I can't learn Latin, then I guess the priesthood isn't for me. 
So eventually he moved back to France. He perfected his art of watchmaking in the city of Paris before moving back home to Alençon and setting up a business. And he did very well. He fixed people's watches, he made new ones, and he even got into making jewelry because he was so good at detailed artwork that he had learned from his time watchmaking. He had his own house to himself. He even had this outdoor pavilion that he could work outside with. And so it was kind of like the ultimate bachelor pad. He had this, this sweet house, he was making good money, and he didn't mind the bachelor life. He would read, he fished, he swam, he went for long walks, he played billiards with his friends. Uh, he also spent time praying. You know, he didn't give up his faith in God. He was a holy man. Um, he continued to practice what he had learned at the monastery, but he lived a pretty lonely life which he had become accustomed to because he had had four siblings growing up, but they had all died before he had turned 30. And so he had quickly learned how to live life on his own. And so he settled into his comfortable bachelor life. He had the nice house. He had the hobbies. He didn't really want to get married and he had no plans or intentions to do so. But all of that changed when he was taking a walk one day and on that bridge, he ran into the lovely Zelly, And she threw all of his plans out of order. Going back home, suddenly his bachelor pad didn't seem so great anymore without her there. He wanted that beautiful woman that he had met on the bridge to be in his life. And his mother, who wanted her son to be happy, didn't want him to be alone, and plus she wanted grandkids, she pushed Louis to marry this lovely young woman. And so as for Zelly, she was very impressed by Louis, this serious, thoughtful man. She was confident that this was the man had got, that God had chosen for her because she had heard God's voice on the bridge telling her so. And so the two of them began to date, were engaged, and very shortly after meeting, were married in a romantic mass that was held at midnight. Now, early on in their marriage, Louis and Zelie decided that they would hold themselves back from the sexual dimension of their marriage. And it's not clear why. Uh, it seems that Zelie was somewhat nervous about it. And Louis also, uh, also thought that he would have a more ideal relationship with Zelie if they could live as if they were brother and sister first to get to, to know each other on that level in their marriage. And so soon after this decision, uh, the couple took in a five-year-old boy whose mother had died. They raised him as their own for a time. They never fully adopted him, but it was kind of like uh, early foster care. And while they had this little boy living in their house, this reignited Zelie's desire for children of her own. And so only 10 months into their marriage, the couple talked with a priest about what they should do. Should they continue to stay celibate from each other? Should they come together as husband and wife? And he encouraged them to come together physically as husband and wife because he told them, look, this is what marriage is for. Marriage is meant to unite the couple on a physical level so that they can make a family through the God-given gift of children. Marriage is meant to unite the husband and the wife together and to bring about children, to create a family. And so that next year, the couple welcomed their first child, a baby girl named Marie. And soon after that, two more baby girls joined the Martin family, Pauline and Leonie. They arrived. And so the couple began building a very happy and holy home together. 
Louis eventually quit his job as a watchmaker because his wife was making more money with her lace making business. And so he just partnered with her. And they were very good employers, very fair. They made sure that their workers got paid well, they got paid on time, and they provided generously for them when they were sick or they had family emergencies. Now, by nature, Louis was a man who was kind of the strong and steady, silent type. You know, his personality was pretty even keeled, and he was a good partner for Zelie because she was very passionate, very zealous, uh, maybe even a little bit of an overachiever. And we have this letter where Louis wrote to his wife and he said, look, I've been telling you to take it easy. You're working too hard. You're tiring yourself out. We'll work hard, but God will take care of the rest. We'll build up a small, prosperous business but don't be killing yourself in the process. And so we kind of get this little window into their married life together that uh, Louis maybe trying to hold Zelly back a little bit. She was maybe a little bit too energetic. Maybe this is a clue also as to why Zelly was always fighting with her mom, who was also a strong woman as a teenager. Maybe they were kind of cut from the same cloth. But regardless, Louis and Zelly were a very loving couple. They were loving parents who brought their children up to be in relationship with God and their home was a very happy one. The Martin family were very close. But their relationship with each other was taken to a deeper level when they went through a series of tragedies together. And some of these tragedies were very hard for them to go through. For instance, four of their children died when they were very young. They lost a daughter who was only six years old. They lost two sons before they even turned one. And then finally, another daughter who was only a few months old. Now, Louis and Zelie were heartbroken at the loss of their children. And Zelie herself had to go through the additional pain of well-meaning friends and relatives coming up to her and saying very hurtful things after she lost her children. They would come up to her and say things like, well, it's, it's too bad that you lost those children. It would have been better off if you had never gotten pregnant because then you wouldn't have gone through all of that. And she wrote down just how hurtful this was. She said, I don't understand those who say this. My children are enjoying heaven now. Moreover, I haven't lost them always. Life is short and I shall find my little ones again in heaven. And so she was strong in her faith. Despite her sorrow, despite her grief and losing her precious children, she believed that the Lord would take care of them and that she would see them one day again in heaven. Another tragedy the family went through uh, was when France was invaded during the Franco-Prussian War. And at a certain point, their hometown of Alençon fell into enemy hands. And so the Martin house was selected for nine enemy soldiers to be billeted in. So nine soldiers came to live in their house. And you can imagine the chaos that that brought about. It's already hard enough to be taking care of all these kids when suddenly you also need to be taking care of nine enemy soldiers as if your house was an inn. And one of the soldiers stole a watch from Louis. And so Louis caught this soldier, threw him out of the house, grabbed him by the neck and made sure that he wouldn't do it again because he went to his general and he registered an official complaint. But later on, Louis learned that that general had put in a policy that any soldier who was looting from the, from the local people would be executed. And so Louis realized that he might have accidentally caused this man to be executed, to be sentenced to death. And so he quickly withdrew his complaint so that the soldier's life would be spared. 
So we kind of see, again, a window into the personality of Louis here, that he was not afraid to defend his household. He wasn't afraid to throw out this enemy soldier and make sure that justice prevailed, but he also was a merciful man. That when he learned that this soldier might actually lose his life for stealing a watch, that Louis said, look, he can keep the watch, just don't execute him. He was a very merciful man when it came down to it. Eventually, the war finished and life returned somewhat back to normal, but then life got even more interesting when they welcomed two more daughters into their family, Celine and Therese. Therese, of course, who would become most famous by becoming St. Therese of Lisieux one day. And Louis was an extremely affectionate father. He loved being with his girls. He doted on them. He had nicknames for all of them. He called his oldest Marie his diamond, Pauline his pearl. You know, he was a jeweler, so he had some, some treasure on the mind, you can see. He called Leone Goodheart, Celine his angel, and his youngest daughter, Therese, he called my little queen. And so he loved his daughters. He spent so much time with them. And Zelie herself was also an extremely loving mother. She raised them up in the faith. She taught them how to make what she called a morning offering to Jesus every day. She taught them to, the first thing when they got out of bed was to give their whole day to Jesus. And so there was a lot of love in the family. The Martin girls knew that their parents loved them, that their parents loved each other, and that their parents loved God. However, one final tragedy was soon to strike the Martin household again when Zelie discovered a cancerous tumor in her breast when she was only 45 years old. And this diagnosis was devastating for the whole family because the cancer took her very quickly. Celine later wrote that she had only seen her dad cry once, and one of them was at the deathbed of his beloved wife, Zelie. He was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, heartbroken, that he would now be a single father raising these five girls. Now, after Zelie died and went to be with the Lord, Louis wanted the girls to have a motherly influence in their life. And so he moved the whole family to Lisieux, the city of Lisieux. Uh, that's where Zelie's brother and wife lived along with their kids. And so the girls could be with their cousins. They could have that motherly influence from their aunt. And even though the move was good for the girls, it was a real sacrifice for him. Louis was leaving behind his comfortable life in Alençon, the place he loved, uh, to do what was best for his daughters, because that is the kind of dad that he was. He did try to bring his hobbies with him, and he included the girls in all of them. He took them for long walks in nature with him. Uh, he took them fishing. He used his watchmaking and jewelry skills to make them little trinkets and toys and, and decorations. And he also taught them how to grow closer to God. He took them with him to visit churches all over the place and, and taught them how to pray. He took Celine and Therese on a pilgrimage to Rome to see the heart of the universal church so that they could be connected with the church that had spread throughout the whole world. It wasn't just in France. And he lived his life in a way that set an example for all of his daughters on how they could do normal things and live a normal life out of love for Jesus. Now, his two oldest daughters, Marie and Pauline, became nuns first. And this was very difficult for 
him. He was a loving father. He knew that he wouldn't see them again because the convent that they were joining was the kind of convent where once the nuns joined, they had almost no contact with anyone outside the walls. But Louis offered it up as a sacrifice, and he realized that he had received these daughters from God, and so he was giving them back to God. Soon after this, he suffered a stroke, and he began to need more and more care in his old age. Therese entered the convent soon after and became a nun, and again he had to go through the heartbreak of giving up a daughter to the Lord. And so Celine and Leone remained alone to take care of him. Over time, he suffered several more strokes, and eventually, even his mind began to deteriorate into some kind of uh, version of dementia or Alzheimer's. He became paranoid. He didn't remember many things. He began to even wander away from the house and go through bouts of depression and forget where he was going. And eventually, his remaining daughters uh, couldn't take care of him by themselves anymore. He had become a danger to himself, and so they had to make the difficult decision to place him in a mental hospital where he could receive the care that he needed, which was extremely difficult for him. No one wants to be put into any kind of assisted living, and Louis was no exception to that. He told his daughters, I would prefer to exercise living anywhere else, but all my life I've been in command and giving orders, and so maybe God is purifying me by making me subject to the orders of others now. And so he entered into this new life and he tried to be as joyful as possible. When he was aware of his surroundings, when he had full use of his mind, he continued to express a strong faith in the Lord, even after eventually being paralyzed by another stroke. So as you can see, poor Louis went through a lot of suffering in these last years of his life. There was one silver lining, however, to the fact that he was paralyzed. Uh, he wasn't able to run away anymore, and so his daughters were able to get permission to take him out of the hospital, to take him home for his final days at home, where he eventually died after going through a heart attack, and he was surrounded by his family in those last moments. And after their father passed away, his final two daughters, Celine and Leone, were able to enter the convent and become nuns as well. All five of his daughters did so, and I think it's just so beautiful that Louis was this father who was able to give away all five of his beloved daughters as brides to the most perfect husband they could have asked for, the Lord Jesus himself. Now, in 2015, Pope Francis canonized both Louis and Zelie Martin as saints, side by side, which is just beautiful. That's never happened before in the history of the church that a husband and wife have been canonized together on the same day. And I think Pope Francis did that on purpose. I think he did that to show that they didn't just love each other in life, but they worked alongside each other in order to become saints. And they raised their children to become saints. The job of all married people is to get each other into heaven. Husbands are responsible for getting their wives into heaven. Wives are responsible for helping their husbands get into heaven to become saints with each other. And so for those of you who are married listening in, consider that your life goal. You know, make sure your spouse gets into heaven. Pray for your spouse. Encourage them to greater holiness. Set a good example for them. At times, if you need to, correct them when they need it, but always do so in love so that they are drawn into deeper, deeper relationship 
with Jesus. And raise your children to become saints as well. Raise them to love the Lord. Teach them how to pray. Take them with you to church. Make your home into a factory that just pumps out saints for the glory of God, because that is what the family is for. So let's pray for that right now through the intercession of saints Zeli and Louis, who did that in their own lives. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Zeli, you waited patiently for the Lord to send you the husband that you had been hoping for and praying for. And I ask that you would help all those who are listening in that sense that they too are called to marriage, but they feel forgotten or frustrated or impatient because the right one just doesn't seem to be coming. Let them be surrendered to what God's plan for them is. That if they are called to marriage, that they would wait on his timing, that they wouldn't try to force anything, but wait for God to move. St. Louis, you were a loving father for your family, a loving uh, husband to your wife. Help all of the parents who are listening in to imitate you in spending time with their children by being a good companion for their spouse, by sacrificing for their family and doing everything they can to lead their children closer to God. Saints Louis and Zelie, you helped each other to become saints through living out your married life together. And I ask right now that marriages all over the world would be strengthened, that in a world that is often hostile to families, hostile to marriage, that couples would have peace in their homes, that they would grow in love for each other every day, that they would be willing to sacrifice and even lay down their lives for each other as they lead each other closer to God so that they can be saints with each other in heaven forever. St. Louis and Zelie Martin, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.